Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Good morning and welcome to the Defender Bible Study Podcast. Today is Monday, June the 12th, and my name is Blake Wilson. I'm the Senior Vice President of Operations at Lifeline, and we are going to continue our study in the book of 1 Timothy. We're actually getting close to the end of this, so thankful for you guys working with us as we move through 1 Timothy. I love this book um, and, and all that is packed full of information um, from Paul writing this letter to Timothy, who is working and planting this church in Ephesus. And I think there's so much to glean from this. And today in chapter five, we're going to just look more in depth at a similar theme that we've looked at in the, in the previous chapters. And how do we care for, um, prepare, correct those in authority over us? in our church. So what does it look like to honor those pastors and elders? What does it look like to correct them? What does it look like to call new ones and prepare them? There's more um, of guidance and more of an outline continued here in 1 Timothy as Paul's writing this letter to um, to him to keep him encouraged. And, I, you know, I can't help but think of people in my life as I have grown in my faith who have invested in me and mentored me, which is the model that I see here as Paul is writing this letter to Timothy to keep him encouraged and just to give him instruction. So what we see here, and we're going to start in verse 17, is is his uh, just reminder for Timothy to keep those um, in biblical authority um, over you and, and treat them with respect. So this is what it says in verse 17 of 1 Timothy chapter 5. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially especially those who work in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. He's reminding Timothy here in these first two verses that those who are teaching and preaching and leading over you are worthy of what he calls double honor. So we are to treat them with respect. We are to care for them. And he, he gives some illustrations of a worker deserves his wages and don't muzzle the ox while trading the grain. Those people that are working hard to invest in you, to teach you, um, to, to read the scriptures over you so that you can have a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. He's like, support them, honor them, respect them. And then ultimately, he even wraps up that he says they deserve to be paid. They deserve to be supported by other believers. Jesus himself even dives deeper into this when he is sending out the 72 in Matthew chapter 10. He, he goes on to say, this is the words of Jesus. He says um, to those 72 who were sent out, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest upon them. And if not, it will return to you. So stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages and do not move around from house to house. He's telling them there in verse seven that they should take care of you. When you are there and the peace is among that house, take whatever they give you, eat with them, drink with them, enjoy their company, and don't feel bad about 
taking food, taking drink, uh, lodging, whatever it may be, allow them to invest in you, allow them to care for you, because this is what um, the Lord tells us to do. So you hear, um, you, you have heard Jesus teach this to the 72. Now you're seeing Paul teach this to Timothy and reminding of him, reminding him to care for those who are teaching and preaching. So you have to honor those that serve. So that's the first, first facet of this. And I think there's so many different ways that you could honor those who are teaching and preaching. Obviously, Jesus even says this, care for them through their, through their wages. They deserve their wages. So making sure that they are financially stable, making sure that they can care for themselves, they can care for their family and those um, in, in their family well. Um, I think another way we can honor those who teach and preach uh, is to just keep them encouraged, to, to let them know what, what you've learned under their teaching, under their guidance. Send them an email, send them a text, talk to them after, after church or after Bible study to let them know how the Lord used them to invest and to teach them. So just keep them encouraged through words of affirmation. I think we can pray for them. Uh, how many times do we pray for those pastors and teachers that are leading our families? Are they in your prayer journal? You know, do you stop and pause to pray for them on a, on a weekly basis? Um, do you care for their family well? You know, maybe you're teaching um, their children. Maybe you're discipling your pastor's children through, you know, um, uh, a small group or a Sunday school class or whatever it is. Are you investing in them? Think about a pastor's wife. Are we caring well for our pastor's wives um, are we investing in them, loving on them, caring for them, giving them a break? Because ministry is so difficult for families that are on the front lines of, of pastoral ministry. So how can we honor them? You can do that through all of the ways that we just that we just listed. And that's not an exhaustive list. But we are called to honor those who are teaching and preaching and investing in our lives. So the first thing is honor those that serve. So Paul then takes a kind of a quick 180 turn and he goes from honor those and then he goes into rebuking those and correcting those who have sinned and those who are in error. So the next three verses, he is instructing Timothy to correct those that have gone astray. He says this in verse 19 through 21. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning you are to reprove before everyone so that the others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Jesus Christ in the, and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and do nothing out of favoritism. He gives them instructions on how to correct those who are in error. In the first verse, he says, pretty much dismiss these accusations unless they are qualified unless there are other witnesses who observe these behaviors, who have observed these sins. He says, do not entertain them, dismiss them. You have to make sure that these, um, these accusations have been validated. So if you, if, if it, you know, it could be just criticism. It could be something like um, that really has no legs to stand on. We have to make sure that we are um, we are taking everything into account and that it is a valid reason to be addressed before we do that. Verse 20 continues and he says, 
those elders that are sinning, you need to call them out. If it is, if two or three witnesses have come together, they need to be, um, they need to be corrected publicly so that other people could take warning. So he, t- he tells them to call them out. And, and, and really in verse 21, he says, and don't have favoritism. Don't, don't turn a blind eye because someone is your friend or because, you know, they are your pastor and you feel like you can't speak up. He says, do nothing out of favoritism, but make sure um, that we are correcting those who are who are in error. So church leaders are not exempt from sin. I mean, they they are often criticized for wrong, wrong reasons, maybe minor imperfections, failing or even failing to meet some of our personal expectations or um, maybe our personal uh, personality clashes or something to that extent. But. Paul is instructing these accusations should not be heard at all unless two or three of these witnesses can confirm them. And church leaders then should be confronted about the behavior and rebuked. But all that rebuking that's done has to be done with the purpose of restoration. And I think that's key for us to, to, to remember as believers in Christ followers is that when a pastor, an elder, someone teaching and preaching above us falls or sins, that it's not an opportunity for us to be able to throw daggers to, for us to be able to just um, confront and find joy in, in that humiliation, but it is to confront fairly. It's to confront lovingly in the heart. And the purpose behind that is that they find restoration, that they can find healing in Jesus Christ. So um, correct them but do it with the purpose of restoration. And that model um, is all outlined for us in Matthew 18. It's just how do we approach shortcomings? How do you approach conflict um, with a biblical model? I'm going to read through this briefly, but this is Matthew 18, 15 through 17. But it outlines very clearly the steps of how to confront sin. And it says, if you brothers or sisters sin, go and point out their fault. But between the two of you. So go to that person directly, just one-on-one between the two of you. It says, if they listen to you, then you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And if they still refuse to listen, tell the church. And if they refuse to listen to the church, treat them as those you would a pay-in or a tax collector. So the step-by-step is is to approach them one-on-one first. If that doesn't work, you take a group of people with you. One or two witnesses, confront them there. If that doesn't work, you take them before the church. Um, And if that doesn't work, then he he says, refuse to listen um, to them and treat them as you would even a a pay-in or a tax collector. Um, So follow these steps when it comes to confronting sin within the church. And this is what Paul's telling Timothy. Remember, um, remember these words. Remember this clarity as you were launching and leading this church in Ephesus. So hold those pastors to a standard um, and don't show favoritism. So you honor them. um, You correct those who are in error. But then third thing that I want us to remember today is to prepare those who are called with patience um, and to do so carefully. So prepare those who are called patiently and carefully. I think, um, you know, it's 
it's easy to get excited. It's easy to um, call, you know, to, to want to make a decision quickly when it comes to um, a leader. Um, but Paul is reminding Timothy to, to pause. He says, do not, this is verse 22, do not be hasty in laying on the hands and do not share in the sins of others and keep yourself pure. Don't be quick to call someone into leadership. Don't be quick to lay hands upon them and to ordain them as a minister of the gospel. We have to be cautious. You know, when we get in a hurry, sometimes we can, we can overlook major problems or sins. We could, we could overlook um, shortcomings as we rush to make a decision and, and we have to pause. And this is a great reminder for us is to, is to pause um, to really evaluate that person who is going to be teaching and preaching and make sure that they do meet this qualification set forth um, by, by the word of the Lord. Um, so pause. And then he, he wraps that verse up, which we'll continue in just a moment, but he says, don't share in the sins of others and keep yourself pure. Verse 23 and 24, as we wrap up chapter five, um, say this, you get, a, you get an intermission here, which I think is really interesting um, in this passage, but it's just a, I love it because it expresses Paul's true love and care for Timothy um, and really that he knew him as a friend. This wasn't just a letter written to a church he didn't know or to a pastor he didn't know. He knew Timothy. He had invested in Timothy, he had discipled him, mentored him, um, and he knew that he was struggling with an illness. And verse 23 says this, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. You know, it's unclear why this verse is here and why Paul gave this advice to Timothy. Maybe maybe it's because he was, he, you know, he had drank contaminated water and it led to, led to an illness. But Regardless, whatever this statement is in there for, Paul, um, this this really shows us that Paul's deep care and compassion for Timothy wasn't just for his spiritual health as a pastor, but also for his physical health. I mean, he knew him intimately. He knew him as a person. He knew that he was struggling with this illness, and he wanted to give him some advice of to drink some wine. Maybe it will help your stomach. Now, I don't think in any form or fashion that this is Paul's um endorsement of overindulgence in alcohol. I think this is Paul's genuine care and concern for a dear friend who is sick, um, who, who he is trying to, trying to care for. So he, he gave him this little um, snippet of just care and compassion intermingled in chapter five of first Timothy. But then he continues on with this theme and he says, the sins of some are obvious reaching the place of judgment ahead of them and the sins of others trail behind them. Well, if you kick back up to verse 22, you remember he says, let's not be hasty in laying on the hands and do not share in the sins of others and keep yourself pure. So he's, he's telling him just, you know, I, I can't help but think if, if he is not saying just because somebody is a pastor, teacher, elder, of course we know that they are, they are not sinless. They are they are sinful creatures, but don't don't follow that. Don't follow that sin. Don't share in those sins. Keep yourself pure. Don't make it a justifiable shortcoming, justifiable sin because you see somebody else as a believer 
indulging in them. He says, some are obvious. Some of these sins are obvious and they're going to go ahead of them and other sins will trail behind them. But at the end of the day, they will all be found out. All of these sins will be discovered. All of these sins will be brought to light um, as, as um, Christ returns. And then he wraps up in 25 and he says this, and in the same way, good deeds are obvious. And even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden forever. So the good will be brought to light. The bad will be brought to light. The Lord will see them all. So as, as Timothy is leading this church, he's saying, honor those pastors who are leading and teaching. Um, correct those who have gone astray, right? Correct them who have gone off that narrow path and then prepare leaders well by taking it slow, investing, praying for them, seeking the Lord's guidance on it. Because yes, we will all fall, we will all sin, but they will all be brought to light. And I want you to remember that as you lead this church is, is to remember that all sins will be brought to light and they all will be exposed just as the good things will be exposed. And the Lord sees them all. So Paul's encouragement is like an older brother to a young brother. And he's just telling him, don't give up, continue to persevere, to continue to strive. I know you're not feeling well, but continue to do this and invest in this church of Ephesus. And I think we all need godly mentors like Paul in our lives. You know, I think you, you can, you need to find one if you don't have somebody in your life to invest in you. And maybe you're, maybe you're older and you're to a place of maturity spiritually that you can now become that mentor for somebody. You can be a mentor. You can be a Paul to a Timothy as they grow in their relationship with God and to invest in them. There's so much great stuff in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 when it comes to the, the model of biblical correction, but also just the reminder for us to care for those um, who are leading us. So I want to challenge us today as we close, just to think about our local church family, think about those pastors and elders who are investing in us and how can you encourage them? How you can do that through maybe taking them a meal, caring for them. I mean, obviously the best is to, to pray, to continue to pray for them on a weekly basis, care for their family. Well, care for their children. Well, stand up for them. When you hear accusations that are not warranted, um, stand up and, and have, have, uh, have the, the back of your pastor and, and um, remind others that, yes, they're human. Yes, they fall. Yes, they will sin. Um, but make sure that those those insults and those accusations are warranted before anything happens. And if so, follow Matthew 18. So there's so much good in here that I want us just to remember. Um, but love on your pastors this week. Care for your pastors this week. Invest in them and find a unique way that you can honor and love on them and their families. As we close, we want to pray for um, our partnership in Dominican Republic. We just want to pray for um, Los Niños de la Luz, the boys home there that we've been partnering with. We want to pray for the church and the central authority um, there as we do have families um, pursuing uh, adopting children um, out of the Dominican Republic as well as we just want to pray for our team on the ground there. Um, and then the team here in Birmingham. So let's close our time just praying um, for the Lord's hand to be up on our uh, ministry and our partnerships there in the Dominican Republic. 
God, we thank you for another day. We thank you for your word and opportunity to open it on a daily basis. God, I thank you for Lifeline and just the devotion upon the word and the fact that we even have the Defender Bible Study podcast. Lord, that we do devote our days to you and understand that you um, are going to be the one to provide the harvest. So God, thank you for Dominican Republic and the opportunity that we have to minister so well um, there. We thank you for the boys, the boys home there in the Dominican Republic. We pray that these children will be impacted by Christ. We pray that they experience who you are in a deeper way and the love of you as their heavenly father. Um, Lord, many of them, well, they are all there uh, because they don't have an earthly father. But God, we, we pray that they find an earth, a heavenly father there um, that they can encounter that who will never leave them, will never abandon them and be with them. So God, I just pray um, for unity and strength for the staff as they minister well to these boys. I mean, everything from the leaders to the groundkeepers to the cooks and the teachers, God, may you um, supply just an abundant um, abundance of love and abundance of understanding of who you are. And may they grow in their wisdom and understanding of what it means to be a Christ follower. God, we pray for the church, the local church there. Um, may they be faithful to teach the gospel. Like, even as we have read this morning through First Timothy, God, may they be faithful to teach your word. Um, we, we pray for the missionaries there that are partnering with, with the locals. Um, God, may it just be a sense of community to empower that local church. God, we pray for the central authority there um, for Konani and that the different government officials that we're partnering with. God, may they just continue to advocate for their adoption process um, and the children that are in need. We pray that you give them wisdom and creativity um, as they seek to meet the needs of the children under their governance. Um, Lord, may may you also just um, bring missional-minded families that are open to um, adopt children from this country um, and who are open to meet those country requirements as we know that they are difficult and the in-country stay is long. But Lord, we know um, that you have a will and a way and you have ordained families in advance. So God, we pray that you reveal those to us and send them to us. Um, and God, lastly, we just pray for our team. Uh, we get, we pray that you give them wisdom and grace um, as they are serving so well. We pray for um, our in-country team as well as our team here locally who are serving um, in our central office. Lord, may you just be with the communication efforts there, the partnership there as um they continue to to pray and to serve and to work so um, so diligently together. So, Father, we we find rest and trust and know that you are God of all things. And Lord, we lay them before your feet this morning, and we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. Music.